Hello and welcome to my Power of Music and Voice podcast. I talk to many industry professionals and non-professionals on the power of music and voice for good mental health and general well-being and about what it means to them and how it is used. My passion is to raise the awareness of their power. With voice, it could be hypnotherapy, therapy or just talking about issues or singing. With music, it could be writing songs or performing or giving music therapy. That's another very effective way to help. They can both bring harmony, peace, joy and so much more to our lives and to the lives of others when their power is embraced. Join me on this wonderful journey through music and voice. Just to let you know, this interview was recorded back in early March. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast where I have a lovely guest, Shez Anitz, in with me today and she's going to be talking about her recovery from the collapsed lung which she got due to her condition which is TES. She shall explain all that to me. She is a singer, an actress and if it wasn't for the fact that she was a strong singer and had a strong diaphragm, her recovery apparently would not have been so quick if indeed she would have recovered at all. So it's a very interesting story. And I'd like to welcome Ches. Hello, Ches. How are you? Good evening. You've really bigged me up there, haven't you? Goodness. Well, you're very, very talented. You're an incredible you. singer. And, you know, and, and the fact that you are a good singer has helped you in your recovery. Can you explain to me TES? It's thoracic endometriosis. So the short version is when a, a lady gets endometriosis in her womb, it normally means pieces of the womb float around the diaphragm, float around her womb, and attach to other pieces of their body. In my case, it escaped the womb and attached to my diaphragm and my lung, which during my monthly sessions meant they bled and caused holes in my diaphragm and made my lung collapse. I understand that you had a couple of these incidences before you were properly diagnosed. Is that right? I did, yes. I went through five months of collapses, one of which was very, very severe in November 2008 which was when the doctor said about my, my, the fact that I was a singer and that I wouldn't have been alive at that point had I not been. Um, but yes, it took five months of collapses and hospital visits before they diagnosed the condition, because it's quite rare, unfortunately. I do remember you going through all of that, actually. You, it, it just seemed you were forever in and out of hospital. And there was one time, I think we were all very, very worried about you. And I think you were very, very worried about yourself, weren't you? It was, yeah. Uh, the, the big the big collapse, as we call it, in November 2008. I was in hospital for three weeks, and that's when they just couldn't reinflate my lung. They didn't know what was going on. And those were some very dark times. But again, music became a focus to keep me going. Um, it sounds very dramatic, but I ended up liking a bucket list that if I ever survived and got out of there, I wanted to do various things and... Up until that point, you said I was a singer before, but it was pure amateur stuff. It was karaoke's and I, anywhere I could sing, I would get singing. But afterwards, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more serious with the music. I wanted to join a band. I made this big bucket list and most of it was music orientated, actually. Music is such a power. And it's not just listening to music or, you know, performing it it's, or singing it. Because to sing it properly and become a vocalist anyway, it's very important that you learn diaphragmatic breathing. But because you had been singing and you had been using your diaphragm, I understand that your left lung, on my right, was actually bigger than the one that yes. had collapsed because it had compensated for the other one. Yeah, absolutely right. When I first attended um, the hospital for my big collapse, um, 
at the time, my local GP thought I had pneumonia and I just popped along for an x-ray and I kind of all hell broke loose after the x-ray and the doctor sent me down to A&E almost immediately and there was a lady there waiting with a wheelchair and it was all very dramatic and they didn't expect me to walk in as I did. I just walked down for an x-ray and just, hi, I've been sent down here kind of thing. And they said, well, we expected you on a stretcher or at least blue because you shouldn't be breathing right now. And the doctor later explained because my lung my other lung was so overdeveloped, if you like, it overcompensated for quite a long time. And I'd actually been quite ill for a while, not that I knew about it. But it's not something that goes away, is it? You you are on quite heavy medication, are you not? Yes, unfortunately, um, they can't remove all the pieces of wound out of my lungs. So I had major surgery in 2009, and then I've, I'm on, I've been on medication ever since to control the wound deposits to keep my lungs as strong as possible. I only have a little bit of a right lung now. I have a full left lung, but only a little bit of a right one. And I had to strengthen my diaphragm, which, again, singing helped. I joined a choir, and there was a man called Russell Scott who was a musical theatre aficionado, I suppose you'd call him, and he taught me how to reuse my diaphragm and start breathing deeply um, because I'd been shallow breathing. I think a lot of, a lot of us don't realise how shallow we actually do breathe until you start using your diaphragm properly and really inflating your lungs. You don't realise how much capacity there is there. And I had to relearn because the muscles were all weakened and I hadn't worked properly for quite a while. Ideally, if you're breathing properly, your chest will not rise up. And if you've, Correct, cold, that's right. if you've got a cold and you take a, the normal breath that one would normally take, you then get a tickle and you want to cough. Mm-hmm. But if you take a slow breath in from your diaphragm, the chances are you won't get that tickle. Um, yes, so it, and it, that was the difference. That, that was the difference that I noticed. So um, prior to my lung collapses and prior to getting poorly, it took a, a good six months for this all to develop. And I used to be, I used to be able to sing, a, you know, belt out a good Celine Dion number. And it got to late summer of two thousand eight, and it was weird. I could barely hold a decent pop song, let alone a, a big ballad type thing. And I was beginning to think, you know, can I not sing anymore? Am I losing it? What's the matter with me? And I later found out it was because my diaphragm was basically a piece of Swiss cheese. There was no nothing that was going up and down, nothing drawing the air, drawing my lungs down. So no wonder. But um, I ended up sounding pretty pathetic, actually. And I was really worried that I'd never be able to sing like that again. Well, good for you for actually making the recovery and also for being so determined as well you already had your diaphragm working but to actually have to go back to start all over again that can be a little bit oh gosh you know but you were determined you did it and and look at you now you know you would never (laughs) think that you've got practically hardly any right lung if you say that i do notice on certain songs where like you say the the length of a line perhaps is very very long and you don't have an opportunity to take a breath as you normally would I do notice that I would have to take a, an extra breath more than perhaps the normal person. Um, there are certain rock songs and things that I tend to stay away from for that reason, because I'm not quite fully fit as I'd like to be, but I, I manage, put it that way. But music is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, it's just so powerful. I was very, very ill in 2019, and I think I had the flu, a really bad case of the flu. I don't know whether it's coronavirus, but I was really ill. And I found afterwards that I really had lost so much lung capacity. And although mm-hmm. it's taken me a year to get back to my lung capacity, and that only was because of the exercises I knew how to do yes. to get it back. 
but it took a while. It took a long time. But uh, you made national newspaper. I didn't realise you'd made the <laughs> national newspaper, Jess. <laughs> It's because when I was diagnosed, I was only one of 14 people who had ever had the condition in the last 40 years. Um, so right. it was extremely rare. I was very lucky that the consultant, I was referred to Skies and St. Thomas's up in London um, when the Royal Barks couldn't work out what was going on. And the consultant I saw happened to be the leading expert in the whole of Europe. He was visiting London for the, that year. And I just happened to fall into his lap. And from the moment he saw me, I'll never forget it. We, were, we walked in. I was like, this is going to be another doctor. He's going to ask me a lot of questions. And the first thing he said to me is, do you still have periods? Are you on the pill? Which I thought was a very random thing to ask, considering I was there to just talk about my lung. And he asked me all these questions about my menstrual cycle. And he was the only one who, who understood that when I said it felt like lemonade bubbles bubbling in my chest. That's the only way I could describe this sensation. And he said immediately, right, I know what the problem is. We need to do this, this and this. He said, um, there's various treatments, but um, I'd like to try an experimental one on you and combine all three that is normally used and see how that goes. Are you up for it? And I was like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was very lucky that the combined treatment was putting a wire mesh across my diaphragm to repair it stapling my what was left of my lung up and then putting myself on these this, this strong medication which is basically chemical menopause um now other people that have been treated in the past had either one of those things given to them and had repeated instances i'm very lucky from that day forward that was march 2009 i've not had the collapse but the reason i spoke out was that i got chatting to a lady online on facebook one couple of years later who saw my daily mail thing um and actually now there are 12 other ladies in the country who have it and we now think this it's actually more common than they think it's just not diagnosed yet not an easy one to diagnose though is it no it connects it's a bit weird isn't it connecting i mean i thought i was having indigestion once a month for the, for the first nine months before it happened i didn't realize i was having mini collapses for all of nine months i've been on the pill since i was 16 because i had um, very heavy periods and things, but I was never diagnosed with endometriosis. And it was in the spring of 2008 that we, my doctor retired and I got a new one. And this lady was very anti-medication for anything like that. And she said, I'm taking you off. You've been on it far too long. You'll have to manage in other ways. And literally a month after that, I started having this indigestion. But it coincided with this monthly event I had where I went and saw my mum. And we go and have a big meal. We choose a restaurant. And it was always a couple of days later, and it was always at the end of the month when we got paid. So I didn't think much of it. I just thought, well, I'm not used to eating like three courses, so mm. this this three day indigestion thing was normal. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't. It was it was lung collapses, but it just felt like bad. It just, the first few, it's really bizarre. It just felt like something sat on my chest, and I was struggling to breathe. And I thought, well, I've got to stop eating so much food. Well, it's 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 incredible that you're sharing this with <laughs> us, actually, because there might be some listeners out there some ladies out there who aren't aware of mm. this and have had the symptoms and, and, and are like you just thinking oh I've got a bit of indigestion yeah I shouldn't have eaten as much as I did and you know <laughs> I just grab a pack of Rennie uh, and all the time yeah. something like this is going on so it's thank you so much for sharing your story it's uh, what a horrible thing to go through but you've done so well you look so well 
And my Thank goodness, you. you say 2009 was the last time you had a collapse. Yeah. So, wow, that's a good time, isn't it? I've been very well for a long time. Like you say, music is, music's the reason I'm here. And music was the reason I fought to continue. And music sustains me even now. It's just, it will always be part of my life because it's just, it's one of those things that just makes you, it's the only thing I can speak of that you can, it will give you an instant emotion. Happy or sad, you know, there are, there are songs that will take you back to a place where you might not want to go or whatever, or remind you of something sad, but the majority of it just, I just love all the emotions that music gives you. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? I mean, as you say, it's got something for every emotion. And talking about music, shares, what are you planning to do when lockdowns, you know, you want, are you going to reform a band? Yeah, so my band, uh, we, we'd all discussed about taking a hiatus at the January before lockdown um and so because people wanted to do other things and go and explore different things and you know what musicians are like in bands when they've been together a few years people get itchy fingers should we say rather than itchy feet yeah so we were kind of going our separate ways anyway and then lockdown happened in march which meant nobody went anywhere or did anything and it's been not i mean i think i've driven my neighbors insane because i've got my karaoke machine set on underneath my tv so i can sing whenever i feel like at home as you know, you taught me a few chords of, in guitar a few years ago, and I still play that. So on days like today, I'm outside in the garden with my guitar, playing away and singing along. It's it's all Good real, girl. pure amateur stuff, but it's just, there's nothing better than sitting outside in the sunshine with my guitar, singing a few, as long as it's not got bees or flats in it, because I still can't do those. Um, but, <laughs> and it feels, that's my favourite thing in the world to do. It is lovely. It's lovely. I like to do that and I also like to sit outside and you know I might get inspired to write a song or something and yeah it's very much a part of my life and I know it's very much a part of your life. Even if I can't be in a band just to see live music again I've missed not not even going to a large concert just going to a local venue to see a friend who's in a band or just see the band I don't know I've missed that so much live music is just the best. the best isn't it it is the best i agree and sometimes the dingier pub and the the weirder the act sometimes it's the more fun you have <laughs> oh definitely <laughs> absolutely definitely i remember when i used to live in reading there was a place called the boozy blues bar do you know of it Never. i do yes indeed yeah? that's exactly the kind of bar we're talking about isn't it it you is yes. it was my regular horn and you didn't have to know anybody it was that welcoming no. You had people from all walks of life. Uh, they would just converge because you'd have maybe Pete on the guitar or you'd have a band, you know, the regular, I forget Pete's surname, yes. Pete Lincoln, I think it was, used to play mm -hmm. every week. And he had all of us sort of dancing um, and just enjoying ourselves and obviously having a good beer. But there was never, mm -hmm. ever any trouble. The atmosphere was no. just intoxicating it was lovely and you had your pre-book gig nights and the um the open mic nights as well don't forget you know they, they were just as fun where you could just rock up and take part if you wanted to as well yeah it was it was wonderful everybody it just brought everybody together and it didn't matter who they were and you were felt you felt safe okay it got so crowded but you all had a laugh you would chat to complete strangers but it would be like you knew mm -hmm. them um and it, it just brought this little community together well listen Absolutely. my lovely it's been so great chatting to you and thank you so much for sharing your story that was my very pleasure. very interesting thank you so much for inviting me i've really enjoyed chatting to you too 
Oh, it's been lovely to see you again. Thank you, Chairs. You have been listening to a Lynn Nash Music and Voice production for the power of music and voice for mental health and well-being. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you do come back for more episodes. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>